Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, lock-in and uh, podcast person, I guess. And I'm joined as ever by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst and I'm a writer, I'm a director and I'm a Robert De Niro fanboy, which is why we're doing Ronin this fortnight. This is my choice. I'm sorry, Dan, I know you're not a massive fan of this film. Yeah, I mean, I think I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time. Oh, that's good. Excellent. So that's something. That is something. Um, do you want to tell uh, the precious Arrowheads what this film's about? Uh, yeah, sure. Just out of interest, before we go any further, are we doing spoilers? Are we staying away from spoilers, considering I... it's a comparative mainstream film? But uh... Let's stay away from spoilers. Let's okay. stay away from third act. Yeah. It's, it's, suffice to say, it's twisty-turny. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, um... Yeah, okay, so uh, the film is about a ragtag bunch of mercenaries who are assembled to steal a suitcase from some criminals, uh, and things don't go quite as planned. Yeah, that'll do it. it. (laughs) So Dan, tell me about the first time you watched this film and, and the circumstances and so on. Well, to be completely honest, I don't remember where I was or who I was with. I just remember that I saw it like marginally late in the day, like only just after it had come out. Um, but a lot of people had been going on about how amazing it was. And and this is going to sound like a very snobby complaint. And it is a slightly snobby complaint, but it's definitely something that you, Sam, will sympathise with. And I think it's something that a, a good chunk of our listeners will sympathise with. And that's that when normal people get excited about a film, there's, a, there's often a good chance that when you watch it, you'll be like, oh, well, I've seen a lot of better films than this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a couple of things uh, that I, I sort of objected to. The, the first is that, it's needlessly long <laughs> and, and overblown and that it takes itself very seriously. And I don't know if I noticed this the first time. It was definitely very apparent to me this time, but it feels very much like a person's first script when they've had a good idea. They're like, oh, I've had a great idea for a script, but this is one of that small percentage of people that actually get it done on paper. And then an even smaller percentage of script that gets it written, like scrubbed up by David Mamet, and then an even smaller percentage of people that they it gets to the screen and David Mamet takes his name off it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were lines where I was like, did did they like did they bully Mamet to let, keep that line in? <laughs> like, how is that? How did it pass through his hands? And that is still in the film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is a super weird film. I, I have to admit, like, one of the reasons I wanted to do it is um, when I was growing up, I was obsessed with um, kind of Tarantino, as we've covered uh, in the past, and I was extremely obsessed with Robert De Niro. I wanted to be an actor when I was younger, um and in fact the only good grade i got at school was um an a star at drama gcse um Mm -hmm. basically because i was copying robert de niro uh oh you know doing my very best to uh, because he (laughs) he was very good back then this was in the days where you know he he couldn't absolutely so yeah uh uh, i i kind of wanted to i hadn't actually watched it since that period even though i liked it at the time it wasn't one like you know taxi driver or raging bull or whatever where you just watch it over and over again mean streets you know all of these films yeah it's barely the same media format as those films exactly um and and it's very weird watching it now um you know without sounding like a twat 
but having now made films like I do watch films in a, in a very different way and we'll get on to later on one of my recommendations where you know I watched that post being a filmmaker and I was like holy fuck how the hell did they do that um whereas with this one it was holy fuck why the hell did they do that like yeah some of the shot choices in this film are just utterly bizarre aren't they yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, obviously, Frankenheimer, as the director John Frankenheimer, had some pretty solid credits in his early career and then has been pretty patchy from then on. Yeah. And if you consider this as part of the second half of his career, it's one of the better films. Yeah. From his the second half of his career. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I have ragged on it really hard already, and, and I didn't hate it. Um, I was slightly sad when you suggested it. I'm slightly glad I've rewatched it. Oh, um, good. I doubt... I doubt I'll rewatch it again anytime soon. But I think the thing that interested me about it was that it's... I can see why a lot of the choices that I don't like were made. Like, the, the start with the, the quote about, like, an explanation as to what a Ronin is... Yeah. ...is that absolutely pit-perfect, annoying thing where someone tells you, a, like, a little cultural tidbit that you know that feels too basic for you. <laughs> and, like, why couldn't... Because you know you care about that stuff. And that whole, like, that whole opening moment was felt very much like those, like, weirdos on the internet who've got a fedora on and are bragging about, like, while you were sleeping with girls, I was learning the ways of the blade. Like, yeah. And, I'm, and I met a lot of people like that in the early days of like Eastern cinema making its way over to like my peer group. And yet my favorite character in the film probably was the guy who makes the little soldiers and actually talks about the samurai stuff because he's, he's really well written. He is. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, and, and actually I, I do wonder if that was a late decision to add that text scroll at the start because he does that character does essentially say almost exactly what that scroll yeah. says um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it feels really unnecessary to have both but maybe um some producer somewhere was worried that people would I, be sitting there confused yeah. for too long i think it's one studio executive on all of these films that have that needless text intro where they yeah. explain a word where it's like look here's the deal choose a word people know for your title or choose a word people don't know and have faith in it being interesting exactly but don't yeah. choose a word people don't know and then give them a fucking dictionary page as the first frame of the movie because that's bum <laughs> that does seem to me more likely the whole you know let's use this weird word and have it be uh you know weird word like unusual word novel word novel yeah, unusual word, word. exactly yeah. uh, let's use this word and and people can just sort of catch up because there are elements in the script like there's the whole discussion of the guy in the wheelchair that you know doesn't really go anywhere and it's kind of a mystery an intentional mystery um in the film so i i think yeah that was the intention and then someone somewhere just went hang on a minute people are never going to get this they're going to be um walking out of the cinema if we don't tell them what the title means <laughs> within 10 <laughs> seconds of them sitting down it's it's been five minutes and i have no idea what's going on <laughs> yeah john frankenheimer is such a, a a weird like has any director had a career like this where like he made the train which is amazing and, and obviously yeah. seconds is an absolute black sunday yeah yeah seconds is an absolute masterpiece like yeah one of my all-time favorites yeah black sunday is also great 
And yeah, 52 pickup, we both like that one. But yeah, to have made those kind of masterpieces and then, you know, we can't blame him too much for the island of Dr. Moreau because he was thrown face first into a bit of a nightmare there. But, um, but So this was his first feature after Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. And I do wonder uh, whether or not, like how much he cared about it. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, like he'd done, one, he'd done a TV show between then and this. But I do kind of feel like after, you know, if you do Island of Dr. Moreau, and then they're like, do you want to do another feature? You just say yes. You don't even need to read it. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just I, happy to be working again. I don't I don't know if that's fair. Like, I do think that he cared about it. And like he did assemble a fantastic cast. Like the cast is insane. On paper. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think I think De Niro and Jean Reno are great, and their their chemistry is is fantastic. Um Stellan Skarsgard can't ever do wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he's very good, isn't he? he? He's unreal. You know, some of the accents aren't great. Yeah, you know, I've worked out what's in the briefcase, Sam. Oh, uh, what is it? It's the uh, it's the dance routine for River Dance on Ice. Well, there we go. Um, please direct your emails, Irish people, <laughs> to Dan Martin at arrow at podcast.com. Um, it's only a couple of years after the River Dance, like... <clears throat> dvd came out that they made this as well so (laughs) yes again i still don't think there's a connection but you know i bow to your superior intellect um (laughs) michael lonsdale's great he's he's the guy who's he he plays the character who who makes the little models and stuff um yeah sean bean i'm not really sure what he was doing like in his performance shouting about jam or in this film like he's such a bizarre character that goes absolutely nowhere yeah you would expect him to like jump sides after being kicked out of the team yeah like that's that structure you'd think and and you know what maybe that's a vestige of a previous draft maybe he did turn up on the other team like he's so like he's so cocksure at the beginning he's like i'm a weapons man <laughs> and then he totally fucks up the only weapons deal he has to do and he's like we did really well it's like you really fucking didn't we got shot at and we've got half of the guns we need <laughs> yeah i wonder if like either it's kind of a misdirection where they felt they're being really clever by having this character not bringing him back because you expect him to come back so you know it's a subversion of expectations or they cast it badly and he was always supposed to be like this kind of slightly shit supporting character that kind of justifies a twist that happens later on, if that makes sense. That, yeah. that their recruitment policy isn't great across the board. So if they didn't check him that well, then maybe they didn't check someone else that well or someone else or do you know what I mean? Um, without getting into spoilers. But um, yeah. it's it, to cast Sean Bean... And he was, you know, this is post-Bond. This is post-Goldeneye. Like, it's not like, you know, it's early in Sean Bean's career. Um, to cast him in that really nothing part is just so odd. And I can see yes, why he'd do it. Like, he'd be like, what, De Niro? Leon? Um, you know, Stellan yeah. Skarsgård? Yeah, I'll do this. But, uh, but yeah, no. Three days? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> One and a half days? Even better. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, Sam. Uh-oh. Yeah, go on. What was it like watching it again now that you've been where they filmed it? 
Uh, oh, that I, made it yeah. really weird. Like yeah. recognizing ninety percent of the locations and having walked on most of those streets. Yeah, totally. I, I watched it um, with my my housemate Tom, and I'd completely forgotten that element of it. And I was like, uh, "That's can, that's can." I've been in that <laughs> yeah, hotel. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I've been in that hotel. That's not the inside of that hotel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not the Martinez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, um, that was fun. We were, I was staying with Troma in, uh, in Cannes one year and we were in the lobby that they shoot that scene in and uh, Luc Besson was giving an interview at the foot of a big flight of stairs and one of the female Troma like, assistants, it was quite late in the evening, was a bit pissed. We'd gone in there because she wanted to buy cigarettes. You used to be able to buy cigarettes from the, the check-in desk and, um, and her wallet was like, it was like one of those sort of like round the torso bum bags not a purse per se, but like strapped to your body, but she put it on under her shirt. And then without really thinking, she just started to take her top off to pay for these cigarettes. And Luc Besson's interview was cut short because the press all turned to her. Oh no. <laughs> so that's my, that's all I was thinking about during that scene. was that insane sequence. We, uh, we all got kicked out. We all got marched out of the hotel. Oh man. I mean, look, everyone's got, much 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 bigger problems than this um but i was due to fly to can next week and yeah. obviously all flights have been cancelled and everything so um I, I, it was kind of bittersweet watching it um in the knowledge that you know this is the first year I, I, i'm not going to can in in five years but um hey well you know yeah. um better everyone keeps safe than risk um you know crazy big festival yeah yeah i'll tell you what sam the stunts hold up yeah they do they really do the, the stunts are great it was interesting i was surprised to find that it was an english stunt coordinator and quite an old boy at that um rather than a french stunt coordinator given where they were filming but i'm assuming all of the drivers were french yeah which means that they were probably pulling from the same pool as transporter and yeah. taxi and banlieutres and all those films who have some of the best some of the best stunt drivers in the industry yeah absolutely um and there's a funny game that uh, the the precious arrowheads can play um if they decide to rewatch this film uh, following this podcast, uh, basically, whenever like De Niro, it's a shot of De Niro kind of driving. Now, I don't know if this is you know uh, a fallacy, but I did hear that being the me- the method man he is, he insisted on actually being in the car, you know, next to the stunt driver, um, and the stunt driver took that as a as a challenge potentially. Um, because he ended up going much faster than De Niro was expecting. And so some of those shots where he looks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's surprisingly terrified considering the situation. Like, he's supposed to be in control, but he, he he's gurning a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, watching it with that knowledge this time, I did have a bit of a laugh. Um, at I remember... Shots. I, I remember hearing that they used uh, left ha- uh, right-hand drive cars, British cars, mm. instead of French cars, left-hand drive, mm. um, and then put a fake steering wheel yes. on the driver's side. And so the stuntman would be the stunt double for whoever the passenger was. Exactly. And they'd be driving on a lowered wheel, and the the actor would be sort of like mimicking the turns and the move hand movements and this all that is kind it. of stuff. Exactly. So yeah. 
yeah, when you get those those kind of tighter close-ups on De Niro where he's turning the wheel and looking absolutely terrified in, in, <laughs> in situations where he probably shouldn't, um, uh, that that's that, I think. But yeah, that kind of brings me back to some of the weird shots. Like, there's just some crazy choices in, in this. Um, like, a lot of depth of field, which is fine. That's something that, that Frankenheimer likes. Um, I like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it too sometimes. But sometimes it just takes me out of it. Like, there's that scene early on, so it's fine, where um, De Niro knocks the cup of coffee off deliberately oh, yeah. to, yeah, yeah. to test and the reactions. And, yeah, and just before that, there's this really weird shot where it's, um, oh, what's her name in the film? Well, N- Natasha McClone's character and, yeah. and Stellan... Deirdre. Uh, Deirdre, that's it. And, and The most glamorous of names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. A femme, uh, a femme fatale name, if ever there was one. <laughs> and then <laughs> Gregor, which is uh, definitely the name of a hero... Uh, Gregor catches the the cup, but just before that, there's a shot of them both. You know, uh, they're both in shot, it, it, and it's just a really weird composition. And the depth of field, I just I've got no idea why he decided to do it that way. And there's a lot of stuff like that. There's a, a crane shot, a really big crane shot that comes down onto a guy drinking coffee. And yeah, that's he, quite a nice shot. It's a lovely shot if it came down onto Jean Reno or, or, or De Niro. But it comes down on a character who, well, okay, this guy. On ooh, a rando. Oh, this guy. This guy's <laughs> going to be big. And then, you know, he's in it for like two minutes. It's like, why, why did you waste that, that setup on that guy? Um, but the biggest offender, I think, is, is during one of the car chases where it, it, it cuts to like B-Rock. It, it cuts to basically a shot of some fish on a table. <laughs> yeah. As if we really need to know that this car is about to crash into... <laughs> Look at these fish. They are going to be really important in a second. It's just weird, man. It's, it's, it's just setting the scene. It's he's a man of details. It's in the middle of the... <laughs> it's in the middle of the chase. <laughs> it just stops the chase to pan over these fish and then cuts back to the chase. And then, yeah. You, you never see you... them again. <laughs> I bet if you took that shot out, the chase would make fuck all sense. I'm sure. And they're like, and in edit, they're like, oh fuck, we've got to cut to something. We've got to cut to this. Got to cut fish. to something. Oh, didn't that weird second unit guy shoot like exactly. an hour of fish? Yeah. <laughs> oh that, no, that's going to save us. Absolutely no. I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, completely. It's there to bring the edit together, uh, and yet, and yet, it just feels like a really odd choice because it's not like a yeah. quick cut. It's like a an establishing shot, basically. Um, yeah, well, it's all it's it is a change of location indicator, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't think it is. No, it isn't because they've already driven to that bit. Then we cut to the fish, if I'm remembering this rightly, <laughs> and then we cut back to them. It's just fucking weird. I I have a question, and I actually meant to. I made a note to look this up, and then I forgot to look it up afterwards. Okay. Uh, so, but there's a bit at the beginning, and I'm pretty sure that when De Niro and Reno are introducing themselves to each other, one of them says, "What's your name?" and Gregor says, "Gregor." And the other one says, same. Are they both called Gregor? Uh, are you saying, is Jean Reno, was Jean Reno called Gregor? Is that what you're asking? Are they both, are they both called Gregor? No. No, okay. Stellan Skarsgård was Gregor and Jean Reno was Vincent. And Robert oh, De Niro, was... of course, was Sam. Uh, uh, one, of his rare, one of his rare Sam roles, which, uh, you know, obviously pleased me at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. 
It's uh, yeah, it's the it's the Vincent line. It's when he says it's when it's not Gregor at all. It's Vincent. Yeah, says Vincent, and he says same. But he doesn't clearly. He says something else. But sounds like maybe he does say same. Maybe saying same as in oh, it's also nice to meet you. Same. Uh, He says it a bit late, like the other guys already said his name, and then the whole rest of the film is motivated by him being embarrassed about that time he indicated that his name was Vincent. Yes, I'm not sure if it's it, it was. In fact, no, I'm not going to go down that train of thought. Uh, <laughs> it's a waste of everyone's time, especially the listener. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, look, it, it does fall apart a bit in the last half an hour. We're not going to get into it, obviously, because of spoilers, but it does become a very different film after a certain point. Um, uh, and it does kind of lose steam a little bit. Though, did you watch the alternate ending on the disc? I did, yeah. Which Holy I really like. I mean, it, it, the thing is... It's not it's not finished, so it's not properly mixed, and yeah. it's a sloppy edit. But actually, I really liked it as an ending. See, I I my notes say, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. In, right. Insane alternate ending. Thank God they didn't go with it. <laughs> so I think we're on, on opposite sides of the fence. We here. can't. I think is we can't talk about it clearly because it has to acknowledge the other ending. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- needless to say, can I? Okay, Sam. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say a version of it, and you can say we'll cut it if you think it's too much of a spoiler, okay? Okay, okay. The the alternate ending has a character dying that doesn't die in the other ending, uh, which makes it a bleaker ending. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, um, I think that's fine to say that. That's absolutely okay, fine yeah, to okay. say that. Yeah, cool. yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. In fact, but, I think that will make people more likely to want to seek it out, but... The yeah, reason but the... but but the thing is, like most of the rest of the other alternate ending is the same as the normal ending. Yeah. So you're cutting away from a scene that doesn't have the drama or tone of a, a main character dying to a main character dying, and then back to two guys just chatting. <laughs> and this is what's kind of like I just found it so insanely bleak. Like it's one of the darkest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I love that. I was having a conversation, I can't remember who I was with, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I'm, I'm an emotional masochist when it comes to film. Right. Like I, and I've got a thick skin as well, so they've really got to get the whips out. <laughs> no, that is true. Um, I love a, yeah, Harrow Video Podcast. Good old Harrow Video Podcast. But yeah, uh, you know, all, all else, the only other thing I, I want to say about this is uh, commentary is really good. You know, yep. as, as much as I go on about the weird shot choices, he does explain, Frankenheimer does explain his, his decision-making process. Uh, there are, are lulls. There are moments where it, it's it's quiet, but actually I don't mind it too much on this one. Uh, it, it feels like a more kind of thoughtful commentary rather than one where, you know, people are just speaking the whole time because they have to. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like he's kind of reflecting on what he's watching. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good commentary. Um, and yeah, there's quite a lot of other stuff on the disc, isn't there, Dan? Yeah, yeah. There's the the, the sort of a slightly peculiar choice: a Tarantino interview from before the film was made, <laughs> talking about the career of talking about the career of Robert De Niro before I, the film was made. How have we not is, talked about this? Like, <laughs> that, this is the most insane extra. Like, okay, so. I, I need to upfront. You, you know, you just get to watch an enthusiastic young Tarantino and imagine what he might think about this film in a few years' time. Exactly, and and look, I, I'm going to be upfront with this. You know, I, I alluded to it earlier. Like, I I am a huge Tarantino fan. I love his film so much, and 
he was a big influence on me when I was growing up and like the kind of films that I sought out and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, I love Tarantino and, and if you're listening to this, Quentin, please do get in touch. Uh, however, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> just for a chat, just for a yeah, chat, just for a chat, mate. Um, but no, however, <laughs> I, I very much like the fact that this extra is on the disc. I, I hadn't seen it before and as a De Niro fan and a Tarantino fan it's bizarre I, I was watching it and I was like how have I not seen this how, did, how is this not on YouTube or you know how did I not watch it when it first went out um, but watching it now I was like yeah this doesn't have the level of insight I, I've come to expect from Tarantino like, yeah he's kind of early days not done a lot of research <laughs> he just likes films at this point and is exactly enthusiastic. exactly yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but you know, it, 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 I'm not saying it wasn't an enjoyable watch. Um, but no, I, it's really good. And to be honest, I don't know where the fuck else they would have put it. So I'm very glad they included it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like uh, I, I guess all I'm saying is, I went into it when I saw that extra was on there, and when the credits start and when it kicks in, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. This is going to make it worth buying the disc all on its own. Um, whereas in reality, it's just all right because, like I say, it's just it's someone who loves films and De Niro. And I almost think, you know, he might even distance himself from some of the things he says in it now. Um, like, he, he, he seemed to be more into Scorsese um, or, or talk a lot more about Scorsese in the early days of his career, whereas now he, he doesn't at all, really. Um, though he did like The Irishman, so what, what do I know? Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a fascinating inclusion um, for a number of reasons. I mean, Heat, yeah. heat hadn't even been made. Because he talks yeah. about, um, you know, one day De Niro and Pacino will be in a film together and, you know, how, how you know, that would be amazing. And it's like, yes. I, what's, the, what's the other one where they were, <laughs> after Heat, the other one they were in together um, more recently? Uh, the Irishman. No, before that. Oh, there was a, what is it, there was eight, a sort of, 88 it was like a, minutes? A, is that it? 88, 88 minutes, it something that? like that, yeah. yeah. All right. I'm one of those. Yeah, but but they get a lot more screen time in it than they did in Heat. Yeah. Um, And actually, let's move on to recommendations because that is a spoiler for my recommendations. Mm. Um, Uh, Okay, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, we've probably covered it. Basically, I just want to sort of back back down a little bit with my my meanness about it. It's not a great film, but for fuck's sake, I recommend a lot of films that aren't great. (laughs) And and there's more to come. Oh my God, you really do. (laughs) um so you know like it's it's fun it's fun i I wouldn't i was thinking when i was watching this um you know i was like i wonder how dan's gonna feel about it this time and i was sitting there going oh he he really didn't want to watch this but if this was in korean he would fucking love it no if it was in korean i'd be fucking furious (laughs) because it would be under delivering like crazy fair It's yeah, I'm well, and and soft spoiler alert. There's an Asian film in my recommendations, but it's. I think the thing is that it's if if you if you want an easy watch, you know, you're not in the mood for something that you know the brain space that subtitles take up. You want a bit of mindless action and a bit of twisty turny and some heavyweight actors doing a little bit of scenery chewing. Then it's really fun. The ending's about fifteen twenty minutes too long. You can fast forward through the ice skating, but, <laughs> but and, and forget that Jonathan Price seems to operate entirely on luck. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, uh, there are so many scenes like <laughs> the turn, right? I'm not. I'm obviously not going to go into it because it is, it is a, a major moment in the film. 
But the turn is insane. Like, yeah. the level of coincidence and, and the logic leaps they take to come to a conclusion is like, how, how, have, you, how have you got there from that? The, um, did you see the recent Besson? Uh, I think, is it just called Anna? The recent one? Uh, Which is like Lucy. 90% f- Lucy. No, Lu- maybe Lucy. The one that's 90% flashbacks and 100% twists. <laughs> uh, I have not seen that. And maybe I'm wrong with Lucy. I, I was wrong with 88 Minutes. It was Righteous Kill. Righteous Kill, yes. Yeah. Because it was they put the posters up all over the tube and then they had to take them down, didn't they? Because yes. the, the Met did that bad thing. Yeah, no, so it's, yeah, whatever it is, there's a recent, uh, there's a recent Besson, and it's, it's like Besson's greatest hits, <laughs> but it's got the most, like, preposterous, uh, like, series of twist reveals in it, uh, in that it starts to almost become predictable, just because every time someone's good, you know they're going to turn out to be bad, every time something seems like it's going to go wrong, it's actually the, the main protagonist plan for it to go wrong all along, like, that, it's that kind of film. Uh, and this felt a little bit like that in the third act. <laughs> it's just like, Haha, no, I, I betray you. Too late, I betrayed you already. It is called Anna. Um, he did also do Lucy, but... Um, yes, he did do Lucy, yeah. but that's the... I, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. That's not a recommendation. It's very silly. It's, it's still fun. What is your recommendation? <laughs> Shall I go... Am I doing the first one? Yeah, why not? My first one? Uh, my first one is 22 Bullets. Do you remember that? I don't. Oh, 22 Bullets, a.k.a. The Immortal, mm-hmm. uh, is a 2010 uh, French actioner by Richard Berry, uh, starring Jean Reno. Uh, Jean Reno plays, like, the last mafia godfather, uh, and he, you know, he walks with a cane, and he's all sad and old. And then he gets fucking murdered to shit <laughs> in a car park. They shoot him 22 times. Uh, uh, and some and somehow he survives, and it turns into a like a blood-soaked revenge battle, and it's really grim and dour, and there's not a lot of fun in it, but it's really violent, <laughs> uh, and it's quite fun. Uh, it's a it's a best on production, so it's got all those all the French stunt guys that I suspect were working on uh, on Ronin as well, awesome. uh, you know, smashing stuff up. Um, yeah, it's really fun. It's it's super violent. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that one. So, um, yes. It's really fun. I will check it out. I love Jean Reno. He is a very charismatic man. Okay, so my first recommendation, I kind of mentioned it before, but it is Heat. Uh, I know that is a very, very mainstream recommendation. Um, but, damn, Heat came out uh, quite a long time ago, 25 years ago. Um, fucking hell yeah so um this is like someone recommending a 70s movie to me in the 90s which feels quite insane but um but yeah so i i think there's a good chance that someone listening to this podcast hasn't seen heat and it is an obvious masterpiece um you should watch it if you like ronin you should watch it if you like the dark knight um it is uh, a, a kind of a source of inspiration for many many films um De Niro talks about Heat a little bit in the extras on Ronin um where he kind of compares the characters um he says they're different and they kind of are um but there is a moment in Ronin which is very very Heat where you know he has an opportunity to go with someone and he doesn't go um that's all I say about that because spoilers for both films but yeah it's almost three hours long but uh it doesn't feel it and yeah this is a, a film that was out when I worked at a cinema 
I, I've seen it maybe, I don't know, uh, at least 50 times on the big screen. And I would watch it again on the big screen tomorrow if I could. It is a wonderful film. Uh, please watch Heat, even though most of you have already. If you haven't, then do. Dan, what's next from you? Sam, I'd watch anything on the big screen tomorrow if I could. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, as I was saying that, I was like, actually, I might watch Heat tomorrow on the big screen because I've got a projector. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't mean to sound smug about that, by the way. It was a very cheap projector, and, and I do advise that people get projectors oh my in goodness, the lockdown the, days. Yeah, but... I, no one's earning any money, so it's hard to spend on big tickets, but it's you can get a comparatively small ticket projector, and it, it'll change your life. It's yeah. Yeah, truly. Um, I've already uh, gently talked one podcast listener through the process of buying and setting up a projector <laughs> on Twitter. So then, then uh, direct your inquiries towards Dan in that case. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to happy to do that for anyone. I've got most of those things saved. I can just copy and paste it. Um, uh, my second recommendation: uh, uh, a little while ago, I, I recommend a recent on a, one of our recently watched bits. Um, I recommended a, a Hong Kong action film called The White Storm. Do you remember that? No. Um, so uh, White Storm was directed by Benny Chan, uh, sort of middle of last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think it was his first film, and it was fucking bonkers. It was the first film I'd seen in ages that genuinely felt like one of those like 90s heroic bloodshed movies. And, and I mean that in both good and bad ways, in that like all of the drama was like super ramped up to like melodrama level 10 everything everything was so over the top it, it was fantastic and at the beginning i was like i'm not sure this is any good and by the end i was like i only want to watch this for the rest of my life <laughs> well uh last year the sequel was released oh. and uh and i watched it this week uh because i hoped to god it would be worth the recommendation wait the wait wait of... wait whoa 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 back up back up back up you haven't done your second recommendation of back off the back of um Ronin. This is my recommendation oh, right, for the okay. back of Ronin. Okay, good. This good, is good. yeah. So I, uh, I I got American DVD. Um, I believe there is a Blu-ray around with English subtitles, but I haven't managed to track it down. Uh, it hasn't had a release in the UK yet, but you can yeah you can get the American DVD relatively inexpensively. It's absolutely worth it. Um, Herman Yao uh, has taken over the directing mantle, and he wrote it as well. It is completely unrelated to the first one, so you don't need to have seen the first one, although I do strongly recommend it. Um, it's a clip at like 97 minutes, so nice and easy. It is in the... Like, the thing about Ronin is Ronin is a, a slightly peculiar cocktail of like Japanese like samurai ethos and French action and an American director all kind of like hodgepodge together. But it is, at its heart, kind of inspired to some degree at least by the sort of 80s and 90s action cinema of, of, of the East. Hmm. This is exactly the same. It's unfucking believably over the top. It's like, so you know, I've been going on for a little while about the human condition, this like nine and a half hour Japanese war thing from 1961 that Arrow put out, um, which is just unfucking believably good. I can't recommend it again because I've already recommended it, but but it's um, it's that. But then imagine you took a nine and a half hour movie and then you condensed it down to 97 minutes by just taking out the reveals and uh-huh. the action. <laughs> and that's this movie. Like, I kid you not, it will just cut to a new scene and they'll be like, I've got cancer. And then it'll go to the next scene and 10 people will get shot. And they'll go to the next scene they'll be like, you've got a son. And they'll go to the next scene and be like, he's dead. They'll go to the next scene and 20 people will get shot. <laughs> I mean, it sounds... And that is, 
it sounds not like, in any way an exaggeration. <laughs> it's completely it, accurate. It sounds like the film that Tommy Wiseau set out to make, um, but, but realised. Oh my god, it's so good. It's the other thing is, and and this is where so if, if your ears pricked up when you heard Herman Yao's name. Uh, you'll know him from Ebola Syndrome and Taxi Hunter. I was sad that uh, Tony Wong, Anthony Wong, wasn't in this. But it's uh, Andy Lau plays an ex-triad, now, like, billionaire, businessman, lawyer kind of character who is like super anti-drugs because his like one of his family died of drugs and his uncle who's still a triad boss he's also super anti-drugs because one of his family died of drugs i mean a different member of the same family died of drugs and so he's a triad guy who doesn't like drugs and then they've got a friend who they kicked out of the triads because he was selling drugs um and so that's their little dichotomy and there's loads of other peripheral characters who get like three second character setups that you know with any degree of foresight allow you to tell you exactly how they'll die (laughs) but like there's a scene and this is where um yao's sort of like exploitation roots start to creep into what is otherwise a very glossy film um there's a scene where andy lau is basically like watching an article about duterte killing drug dealers on the streets and goes well that seems like a good idea i'll do that (laughs) and he sets up like a vigilante force to go out and murder drug dealers but it's made by like it's reactionary lunacy like there's literally someone described as being juiced up on weed uh, <laughs> and there's a scene there's a scene where a drug dealer is killed by being overfed his own drugs and when the police turn up they're like oh my god he was overfed his own drugs cut to a close-up of his face and he's literally got mushrooms in his mouth fantastic i mean yeah it's, and and then to cap it all off sorry i know i've gone on about this for ages it's got one of the best car chases in it i've ever seen great well yeah it's so over the top it's amazing yeah, uh, it, it sounds. It does sound like a cross between the room and Verotica, but I'm going to trust your judgment that um, that is good. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's not good. <laughs> okay. It's like I, I. I. I really can't stress this enough. There is no superfluous dialogue in it. <laughs> it is just like Andy Lau. Literally, the way he enters the film, he like he runs in drunk. He has an argument with his girlfriend. He's sick in a bin. She leaves him. Flash cuts to him having left the triads and become a billionaire. Wow. Well, yeah, it does sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, my next recommendation might not sound exciting uh, because I actually came to this. Um, so I, I mentioned already that I watched Ronin with my housemate, Thomas Staunton, who uh, is a, a, another filmmaker. He made a couple of short films in For We Are Many, like my two favorite short films in For We Are Many. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a very clever filmmaker and a, a lovely man. And so after we watched Ronin, he said, I feel like watching Munich. And I was like, I, in my head, I was thinking, well, I've watched Munich. I'm pretty sure I've watched Munich once. I don't remember anything about it. Um, I'm not sure if I'd ever be in the mood for watching Munich. However, you know, I, I part of the way of the cineast for me is uh, if someone suggests a film, you should just watch it because you never know. That that's that's always been my attitude, um, which is how which is how you've put some very unusual films in front of me, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, we didn't watch it that night. We, we watched it the next night, and I was absolutely blown away, blown away by it. it uh, actually, that's a really poor use of words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was really really <laughs> impressed by it. <laughs> um, 
you know, uh, the the level of filmmaking, like watching Ronin and watching Munich, like the blocking in this film in Munich is just insane. There's some yeah. of the best oneers I've ever seen, where like it'll cut, it'll it'll zoom back from a close up into a car, and you're like. That probably involves CGI, but I can't see how. But I can't. I don't know how else they did that shot physically. Um, it, it's just insane. So, uh, a film that I might have. I'm not even sure if I had seen it before, to be honest. But I'm almost certain I have, and I, it just didn't do anything for me at all. Like when it when it very first came out. Um, but on this revisit, I was just so in awe of the filmmaking and and kind of. The, the messaging and, and, you know, reading about it afterwards, Spielberg got in trouble from both sides of the argument, um, which for me is a sign of kind of a good movie. Um, and, and, yeah, it has one of the best final shots I've, I've ever seen. Tiny bit on the nose, but in a fantastic way that, that pulls together lots of things that have been discussed um, kind of throughout the film visually. Um, I know you're not a massive fan of Spielberg, um, Dan, but in, in terms of his visual storytelling, I, I think that... Yeah, I mean, he's an incredibly proficient director and he's very much at the top of his game in this. It's a really technically adept film. It's just next level. It's insane. It's so yeah, good. It's, and, it's and one the, of my... Sorry. No, that's all right. I, I, but just to finish, you know, the justification for this, uh, it shares an actor... Um, playing a Ooh. kind of similar role um so the, the 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 guy that you like dan um uh jean-pierre uh, played by michael lonsdale in ronin he plays yeah. papa in munich um and he is fantastic in munich like everyone is fantastic it's an amazing yeah. film so if like me you've sort of thought oh god that's going to be a bit of an effort it's not a bit of an effort like the the three hour no. runtime flew by but you were going to say it's, something dan it's it's terrorism horror through the lens of spielberg so it's like super digestible yeah that's you know if it's uh you're not going to get challenged by Spielberg, but he fucking knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that it comes close to being challenging in places. Yeah, it's definitely one of his, if not his edgiest films. Yeah. Um, um, and it does and like it, I, I, Go on. Sorry. No, no, no. no. Was, you go, you I was going to make a joke. I was going to make a silly joke. You, you do your thing. <laughs> well, the, I, I was just going to say that, you know, it's the closest to um, kind of that gritty 70s edgy stuff that I think Spielberg's ever done. Um yeah, 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 definitely. It, yeah, it, that's the thing. It's a few moments and and sort of moralizing moments aside, you could see it being like one of those slightly dark seventies like grime thrillers. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So highly, yeah. highly recommend Munich. Yeah. I like to imagine that the terrorist with the really tall head who gets stabbed in the forehead <laughs> is related to the zombie with a really tall head from Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes well there there is a, some special effects humor for you there folks don't ever say that we don't give you everything uh, uh, what have you watched in the past couple of weeks dan uh so uh i watched a modern film what <laughs> yeah 
Get me. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's an Australian zombie comedy uh, called Little Monsters, uh, directed by Abe Forsyth. Uh, it's more of a comedy than it is a zombie film. It's actually very restrained on the gore, but uh, it makes up for it with good old-fashioned Australian swearing. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, again, not really going to challenge you, but really, really enjoyable. Uh, a good, solid like Sunday afternoon watch. Uh, yeah, it's it's owes a big debt to Shaun of the Dead with its uh, with its setup. Although it's not about someone chasing their own ex, it's about uh, you know someone who's been recently dumped, right? Uh, proving themselves having having been shown that they are a useless waste. <laughs> and yeah, it's quite sweet in places. Uh, it has got Josh Gad in it. I, I know some people uh, like I've noticed on the internet people don't seem to like him. Uh, I thought he was quite good in Avenue Five. Uh, so I don't know what the people's problem is with him, but he's basically playing the same character <laughs> like okay. with a little bit of a twist. Um, but yeah, it's got some good laughs in it. It's got some fun zombies in it. Odd Studio in Australia uh, did the makeup effects, same guys who did Alien Covenant and uh, Mad Max Fury Road. So solid, solid makeup effects. Um, and some big crowd scenes as well. Like, you know, there's some stuff where you go, oh, okay, they spent some money on this. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that one, but I haven't caught it yet. Is it is it for free on Amazon Prime or is it to rent? No, no, it's a it's a rental. We we pay for it. Okay, nice. Well, I'm gonna throw out. This isn't a past couple of weeks recommendation, but this is just a quick one for the Amazon Prime folks. Um, you know, if you need a bit of cheering up, if you need a bit of uplift, uh, there's a fantastic documentary available for free at the moment called Next Goal Wins. Now, you might recognize the title because um, it's the next fiction film from Taika Waititi, um, but it's inspired by the documentary, and and because it's available for free, I do advise that you watch the the documentary first. Um, It is a a wonderful, wonderful, powerful moving film, and I think it will probably make you appreciate Taika Waititi's film all the more when you've seen the real people that 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 film's going to be based on. Um, yeah, I won't say any more than that. Uh, well, the basic premise is um, the world's worst team are trying to win their first ever football match. Um, and, you know, they have some trauma from losing 31-0 to Australia. Dan has no idea that how, how impossible that is because he doesn't like football, but that's very impossible. Um, I mean, that seems like a big number. It's a big number. Um, so yeah, so uh, it kind of starts from there with footage of, of that that thirty one nil game, and then kind of goes on from there. It is a wonderful film. But do you have do you have to care about football? Uh, I think you have like, to I care li- about sport. Yeah, I like ID. And I, you know what? I like some sport movies. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean it's a sport movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, I like some sports movies. Have, have you watched um, The Last... I like Bring It On. <laughs> well, there you go. It's exactly like Bring It On. Have you watched The Last Dance on Netflix, Dan? I know we don't talk about TV and that's my Which own one's rule, The Last Dance? It's the documentary about um, Michael Jordan's potential last season with the Chicago Bulls. No. It's fucking amazing. It's I thought for a second amazing. you were talking about that Japanese movie that got remade as a movie with Richard Gere in it called Any, Something uh, Dance. Any, dance with me, come dance with me. I can't remember. Any, like, it, this is a, likely to be a small crossover audience, but if there's anyone listening to this who loves Arrow Video, loves Arrow Video films, and also watches and loves The Last Dance on Netflix, by all means, tweet me every Monday. I would love to hear from you. I fucking love that <laughs> show. This is the one time I, yeah. I will welcome. 
I think um, I, I think I would probably <laughs> care less about sporting documentaries than sporting movies. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Anyway, shall I get on to what I've watched in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend um, that that you all uh, pick up from Eureka uh, one, two, three, the Billy Wilder comedy. Um, oh, it's amazing! I recommended this a little while ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh shit. In that case, uh, no. Get it. Get it. Get it. no. No. Talk about it again. It's fucking incredible. It's so good. Yeah. Um, it is basically. I picked it up because the uh, the lovely people at Eureka had a Billy Wilder sale. Um, so I basically. Oh got, fuck! I missed that. Got all the ones that I was missing, and um, maybe in my subconscious because you know you you have recommended it. Maybe it was lodged in there somewhere. But um, this was the first one I put in. It was the one that I was kind of most looking forward to watching. Um, and it didn't disappoint. It is just one of the best, funniest scripts I've I've ever experienced. Um, the performances, especially oh from James Cagney, who yeah. apparently he didn't make another film for twenty years after making this film, presumably because he needed that long to recover from how fast paced it is. Well, um, well, presumably because he was like, well, I'm done. What else yeah, can I do? Yeah. <laughs> it's just in terms of like, yeah, the performances, the way it's written, like the staging and, you know, the, the kind of politics of it is fascinating to watch now. As yeah. Well. Um, but it's, 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 it's political corporate comedy. Yeah. From, from uh, post Second World War uh, and it's set in a divided Germany. It's yeah, and and have you seen um, the whole town's talking, Dan? I haven't. No. Um, kind of. I would recommend that as a double bill with this. It's, it's not as good because not much is, but um, it's it's basically Edward G. Robinson kind of playing against type in a similar way to oh, James. I Cagney love Edward G. Against, Robinson. Yeah, it, he's. Oh, in the uh, you have to see it then. If you love him, you have to see it because um, he basically plays double roles. Um, oh wow! So he plays. Yeah, kind of timid like office guy um who's you know kind of shy and it's just such a, a, a wonder to see him play that kind of role and he's fucking great at it um but unfortunately this office worker looks almost exactly like an escaped gangster um and so he's kind of amazing arrest- he's arrested by mistake He's given a pass that means that whenever he's arrested, he just has to show the police that and they'll let him go, um, which is obviously a document that would be very interesting to uh, uh, the gangster in question. So that's kind the of real where it goes. Man, yeah. And it's it's just a wonderful film. Um, similarly, um, yeah, like I say, similarly against type. Um, and he doesn't... It's not like he puts all of his effort into the office worker and then coasts it as the gangster. The gangster is just as great a performance, and and it's that kind of parallel that 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 makes both performances so great. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend that as well. Ooh. Nice. That's by it. the way, by the way, yeah. Masayuki Suo, the Japanese director, did "Shall We Dance," which is what I was thinking yes, of when you asked me if yes, I'd seen the last dance. dance. And seeing as we were talking about sporting movies, did an astonishing film back in 1992 called "Sumo Do, Sumo, Sumo Do, Don't." Sumo Don't, yeah, Sumo yeah, Do. that's an amazing film, amazing film. So yeah, yeah bonus. Lots of recommendations. In fact, we had someone tweet us. I can't remember who it was. I'm I'm sorry to say we had someone tweet us saying, "Can we get extra recommendations?" So I think we've really delivered on that. We definitely have. <laughs> Um, so what else have you watched in the past couple of weeks? We're not even finished. No, not even close. 
I've got five. But no. uh, this morning, as early as this morning, I watched Ginseng King. Oh. AKA the three headed monster. You've seen that before, now, though, right? Or is that a first I time? Ha- watch? I, I no, no, I've, I've I've seen it before, but I, you know, I was heavily intoxicated. This is the first time I've seen it without being intoxicated. I think it's only the second time I've seen it, um, and it is such a treat. Uh, it is currently on YouTube in its entirety. Uh, although you'll have to search for uh, Wu Tang Collection Three Headed Monster <laughs> to find it. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff on Wu Tang Collection, but yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. I'm uh, constantly finding weird, obscure things that I thought, you know, were were, were proper, like sort of what for film fair, bottom of the pile rarities. Mm. Once upon a time, and now because you know the same reason they can't get released because no one knows who owns the rights. But then they don't get taken down from YouTube because no one knows who owns the rights. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, these things are these things are around. It's unbelievably weird. Uh, it's ostensibly uh, Malaysian. Uh, no, Thai. It's Thai. Yeah. I think. Uh, children's film uh, full of uh, so this is to uh, (laughs) so you know how a never ending story wanted that Henson's aesthetic and then got whatever that's got (laughs) I will never agree with this never ending story is a masterpiece every effect is perfect this is my childhood carry on yeah they meant they they meant the dragon to look like it had had several strokes Um, but this is to Never ending story, like a thousand times what never ending story is to, <laughs> to anything Henson's ever did. The the special effects are absolutely jaw dropping. It's it's chock a block with creatures and demons and monsters and crazy prosthetics. I think there's only like two characters in the whole film that don't have a three characters because the mum also doesn't have any prosthetics. Um, that don't have any prosthetics on, but it's astonishing. It's got some slightly weird clunky martial arts in it, but really you're there for for the Jinseng King himself who looks like if Wurzel Gummidge was at the edge of a room overhearing something he knew he wasn't meant to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the whole thing there's a there's an ogre where who where obviously one of the eyes stopped working on the puppet so they just shoot half of his face for the rest of the scene that's great uh there's a nazi zombie wow a not a nazi zombie vampire who does like salutes but just shouts the word hitler and there's a big joke about the fact that he gets distracted because a buddhist monk has the the buddhist swastika on his apron and the and the zombie Hitler is like oh transfixed, but the Buddhist monk doesn't understand that and thinks he's like calmed him with a sutra. So there's a lot of fun to be had there. Yes, <laughs> it's a very very weird film. Um, I warn you that the print on YouTube is like a sort of VGA graphics quality digitization of a seventh generation VHS, oh uh, which had glass plate subs. But uh, but yeah no it re- it really is worth watching especially especially if you're intoxicated but I enjoyed it sober this morning so nice um, I should mention that the whole town's talking is is relatively easy to get actually it's uh, on the new indicator John Ford at Columbia box set um, oh it's John Ford yeah yeah and, oh nice um, it's a nice disc it's a nice box set all round but my favourite's whole town's talking and um, there's a lovely extra on there where they go in detail about Gene Arthur, um, mm. who, who's obviously an incredible actress and kind of a bit of an icon. And I enjoyed that extra, even though she's compared on it to Greta Gerwig, um, mm. which obviously annoyed me. 
but anyway, my next recommendation based on the next next couple of weeks, I'm not living in, in the future, uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been going on for a long time, dear Arrowhead. This is going to be edited down, I'm sure, but um, we've been talking for a while. But yeah, uh, recommendation based on the last couple of weeks, The Border. Indicator, like Eureka, had a, a person-specific sale recently. They had a Jack Nicholson sale um on his birthday i do recommend following these um distributors on twitter because these sales do pop up so i bought all the jack nicholson's that i didn't have and one of those was the border have you seen the border dan i don't think i have there's a big there's a lot of early nicholson i've not seen yeah and actually um again you know as i always do after i watch the film and do a bit of research nicholson credits the border as being his favorite of his his films he thinks it's his best film and hmm. I can't really disagree as, as many masterpieces as he's made. Um, I was just in a, a, a state of constant joy and awe watching The Border. He is magnificent in this film, and the film is magnificent in itself. Um, it's basically about um, a border security guy who kind of moves to a new area because of the wishes of his wife. Um, and he joins a new kind of team who's kind of closer to the Mexican border. And, um, yeah, it kind of goes on from there. I'm really not going to say too much about the plot because it actually does unfold in a really nice way. Um, it's also got Harvey Keitel in it, and, and Keitel's nice. great in it. Um and yeah, it's got Warren Oates in it, Dan. Um, oh wow! Nice. Yeah, yeah, amazing cast, and just another one of these films where I didn't want it to end. It gets better and better, and then yeah, the final shot for me, I was like, oh my god, yes. Um, so what, what I, genre is it? It's um, it's kind of I guess you call it a thriller. Um, okay. but it's it, serious it's not it, it's like it's serious it's very serious okay cool yeah good. I mean like good. the main character sits on his sofa with a gun in his hand while his wife's asleep in the next room in the first act like before they've even moved like um, <laughs> yeah and and it's never really anyway uh, I, I won't get into that because uh, I think that will go into spoilers but um, yeah do you remember that the border Sorry, on indicator a magnificent film, a man, magnificent release, great extras. Um, I really, really can't recommend it higher. Uh, so, yeah, The Border. Go on, what are you going to say, Dan? Do you remember that bit in The Way of the Gun where the old bodyguard is playing his own version of Russian roulette and he's got six revolvers, <laughs> one of which has one bullet, one of which has two bullets, one of which has three bullets, and he puts them all in a pillowcase and kind of shakes them up. <laughs> and then he takes it out and plays Russian Jesus, roulette with it yes. just to pass the time it's honestly I'd like I was so like amazed by that moment well for me like the way of the gun whenever anyone mentions that oh, that I film I can't get past what happens in the very opening moments um, oh so good and that's fucking you know that Sarah Silverman yeah, in that yeah, opening yeah. scene I, I, yeah, I, so I, good I was I was deliberately being vague there just in case oh but, sorry um, yeah uh uh, yeah. It is uh, it's quite a moment. Um, oh my god, she's got a big mouth, but she's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we've finally come to an end uh, to this podcast, Dan. Should we go into extra features? Oh yes, let's do extra features. Extra features, extra features, extra, extra features. features. Dan, what extra have you got features. For us? 
You've got something. <laughs> um, yeah, we've we've had some email. We've had some tasty email because that's the only way we can communicate with anyone these days. Because we, hang on, Dan. We've had some email. The world is shut. Well, it does say howdy, Dan, more than Sam. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ref- step out of this. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, so I talked a little while ago about the slightly peculiar filming circumstances of Await Further Instructions, uh, which took place at uh, a, a very weird... Um, like town hamlet i think hamlet is the right word <laughs> like nine houses a pub and a corner shop uh and, an, and a quite good indian restaurant um called bubwith up in york uh yorkshire and um north of york i think and uh, and one of our li- this resonated with one of our listeners so he sent us a he sent us an email i'm going to read it to you now I'm going to keep it anonymous because I want to read the whole thing. And uh, Sam has judiciously pointed out that uh, there might be some fireable sentences. Yeah, even though this wasn't addressed to me, I, I did my due diligence. Sam's got, Sam's got your back. <laughs> uh, howdy, Dan, more than Sam. I'm working my way through the mighty back catalogue of our video podcast. And today I reached episode 62. American Wealth in London. So let me set a scene. I'm sat at work in a theatre coffee room as far from the general wibbling meat sacks I have to work with so that I can get a little peace. With this piece, I decide to listen to the aforementioned podcast episode, and my ears could not believe I almost spewed forth my lunch at the mention of Bubwith and the damnable studio space. Eleven years ago, my wife, friends and myself were taken on by a quote-unquote production company to help clear it up with the caveat of getting some sort of minor production job on the film they were planning to make there. As I'm sure you could imagine, it was an arduous job, which stretched as far as cleaning eons old shit from long-forgotten U-bends. But there were highlights, including my first watching of Rei Katamura's Godzilla Final Wars on a crusty old tube TV. Sadly, they failed to deliver on any sort of payment, be it monetary or even the chance to work in some way on a feature. Although a year later, I was lucky enough to get a role that the writer-director-producer lead, feeling guilty, gave me as a DIT, a digital image technician, for the red camera. Nothing special, but he did pay me more than some of the other crew, so I can't complain. Um, It's lovely to hear from people who have experienced the insanity of Bubwith. I was just talking to uh, some colleagues uh, on Zoom uh, a little while ago about what uh, what the film industry is going to look like post-corona and um, Beck 2 are currently putting together a, a series of uh, sort of rules uh, as to like how makeup effects artists can work with actors and they're, they're talking about uh, having us work in like full protective gear and masks um, I was talking to some production friends over in Canada on Monday and they were talking about uh, like a big document Lionsgate has put together about how people are going to work it, it it doesn't cover a lot and it is mad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it's very it's very thick and it says very little. It's twenty pages of wash your hands and stay far apart, basically. Like there yeah, are and and there's and some no... mad stuff in there. I mean, you know, yeah, you, you know, we all want to stay safe and and, and all the rest of it. But I, I think it's better to not make a film than to try to enact some of the things that they suggest in there. I mean, you'll a... need you'll need you'll need six months to to make a ten day production if they follow these these rules that strictly. However, if that's what they need to do to stay safe, they should. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that you know anyone should break any of those rules, but it's just not practical, you know. So I think the like realistically, the only way you're going to be able to make movies in this 
you know post-corona world is to quarantine your entire cast and crew ahead of time uh, and then shoot the movie with everyone in lockdown um which is essentially what we were doing in Bubwith, you know, aside from, you know, trekking across a couple of fields to go to the pub. We never lo- left the hamlet. We were ostensibly in a tiny little microcosm. Um, and it's possible. It's fucking weird, but it's possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we're heading for strange times, but that's how they're going to be making movies for a while, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh, right, shall we wrap this up? Uh, Let's do that. Dan, how can people find you on social media? Uh, I am at 13fingerfx uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. Mostly dog pics, uh, occasionally information about stuff, and then sometimes I tweet about the podcast. Um, feel free to message me if you've got any questions or if you feel like we still didn't do enough recommendations, I guess. Yeah, that. Say hi. Yep, and you can find me... Uh, actually, if you would like to see me talk about films... Uh, some more if if you're not already fed up of hearing me talk about films i also talk about them on youtube on channel hex on a show called obscure rama i've done fright i've done seizure and the next one um should all go to plan uh, will be the crazies which is an arrow film awesome. so um do check that out on channel hex the youtube channel and i'm sure i'll share a link on my uh twitter which is at sam ashurst all one word my name right that's it thank you so much for listening to this nonsense and we promise to be more professional next time bye bye bye